0: Good morning, this is Pastor Mike Letterman, thechristlives.org. Today we continue our series of lessons in the book of Mark as we learn more about Jesus the servant. Jesus the servant. Our lesson today is entitled, Is There a Jesus in the House? We'll be reading from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's read from God's word. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come to him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk, but that ye may know the Son of Man hath the power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Now, as we learned in um, Mark chapter 1, Jesus began his very public ministry in the city of Capernaum. He entered the town and immediately began to preach about the kingdom of God. In that chapter, Jesus also demonstrated his great power. He cast out demons and healed diseases of every sort. And from Mark chapter 1 verse 32, we learn that Jesus must have healed nearly every sick person in that town. You see, his miracles eclipsed his message. The people flocked to Jesus to see what he would do next. Each miracle left them hungry for more. And to escape this frenzy, Jesus and his four disciples left Capernaum and he began a preaching tour through Galilee. You can see that in in, uh, chapter one, verses 38 through 39. Now that preaching tour is over and Jesus and his men have returned to Capernaum. This town was a very important place in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. You see, Capernaum served as the northern headquarters for his ministry. It was here that he put his great healing power on public display. It was here that he preached in power. It was here in Capernaum that Jesus Christ made his very public claims to be the Messiah. But Capernaum had a problem. This city valued the miracles more than the message of the Messiah. They wanted the spectacular and they rejected our Lord's offer of salvation. As a result, Jesus later pronounced a curse on this city. You can see that in Luke chapter 10 verses 13 through 15. So, I would rather go to hell from anywhere than from a pew in a Bible-believing Baptist church. So Jesus and his men returned to Capernaum. We were told that they enter into the house. This is probably a reference to the home of Peter in chapter 1, verse 29, they entered town with no fanfare, but word soon got out that Jesus was back. The Savior is back in Capernaum. And when the people heard that the miracle worker had returned, they flocked to the house where he was staying. You know, thinking about this as a side note here, you know, churches have to deal with all kinds of rumors. Most of the rumors the get started on churches are negative. The greatest rumor that can get out on a church is for people to start hearing the rumor that Jesus is in a church. And when that word gets out, people will start coming. Jesus has drawing power. When he is lifted up and his word gets out, the people will come and that is a positive rumor there's bad rumors and there's good rumors and when the rumors get started that on the church that for people to start hearing that Jesus is in the church people start to come you see Jesus is in the house and here and the crowds have come to see him and to see what he will do I want to share some of the events of this passage and preach on is there a Jesus in the house Amazing things will happen when Jesus is in the house. Let's look into this wonderful scene and watch as the events of that day unfold. In verses one through two, we see about Jesus and his preaching. You know, anyone can draw a crowd. You can have wrestlers, actors, musicians, uh, all kinds of people, political leaders, and preachers can all draw crowds. It's what you do with that crowd that makes a difference. Jesus could have used this opportunity to increase his celebrity in Capernaum. He could have performed a few miracles, and the people would have been eating out of his hands. I mean, that's, after all, that's probably why they came. They came to see the Lord work some more miracles. And that's, that's pretty commonplace in that time. They came to see him do the extraordinary. Imagine their surprise and disappointment when Jesus began to preach to them. You know, some people think that a service that includes preaching is a routine, boring service. They exalt the times when there is no shame, there is no preaching, and shame on us for being so shallow. It's clear to me that, to Jesus, that the message was far more important than the miracles. We don't know what the Lord preached that day, but we can safely say that he probably reached back into the Old Testament and preached about some things he had preached the first time when he was in town, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. He probably preached about the kingdom of God, the power of God, and the salvation of God. Surely, Jesus preached the central message of the Bible, salvation by faith through grace. Preaching was central to the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. And the same should be true for any church. You know, I love good singing. I love testimony meetings and I love special services, but nothing can take the place of preaching because when one is preaching and others are listening, the word of God is being shared to the people. Preaching is God's chosen method for reaching into the hearts of the lost with the gospel of grace. You can see this in Romans chapter 10 verses 13 through 15 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. Nothing should ever be allowed to crowd out the message. We should pray that all churches will stay focused on the message It would be so easy just to slack and back off so that we could entice people to come to the church. The primary business of any church, listen to me now, the primary business of any church is not to fill the pews or the bank accounts. The primary business is the proclamation of our Lord's message and that is what we are to be about. That is our business and it is to be our only business. Thank God for old-fashioned Bible-believing churches where preaching is still the centerpiece of every service. In verses 3 through 5, we see Jesus and his power. See, right in the middle of this preaching service, something spectacular happens. Four men bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They believe if they can get this man to Jesus, then Jesus can heal his body. And when they arrive at the door... The crowd is so large that they cannot get into the house through that door. Now houses in that day were usually constructed with a flat roof. A set of stairs on the side of the house allowed access to the roof, which was used much like we use a deck in our day. These roofs were usually made by laying timbers across the top of the house. These timbers were then covered by a layer of branches this was covered by a layer of clay tiles and finally a thick layer of mud was placed on the very top this was rolled and pressed until it was very hard and rainproof so here's the humorous scene jesus is preaching in the house and these four men carry their friend up the staircase onto the roof of the house once they're there they begin to dig through the roof until they've made an opening large enough to lower their friend into the house. Can you imagine the scene in that house as Jesus is preaching? He's preaching, the sound of digging is heard overhead, and after a short time, dirt and wood begin to fall and the crowd assemble below. Then blue sky breaks through the darkness and a man is lowered into the room. I wonder what Peter was thinking. Now, he probably didn't like the thought of seeing his house torn up, They might have wondered if his homeowner's insurance would cover the cost of the repair, but you see, Peter couldn't stop it. The same crowd that kept the four men and the paralyzed man out of the house kept Peter in the house. I wonder what Jesus thought. I often wonder, what what did Jesus think when things were happening around him? Sometimes I can imagine that there's a smile on his face as he realizes. He may have been amused by the whole thing. I don't know, but I always wonder, what was Jesus thinking at this time? I wonder what the crowd thought. Surely this never happened in a worship service before. They were no doubt amazed at what was taking place. You know, it's always a blessing when the Lord invades our order of worship and takes over the service. I don't understand how he moves, but I'm glad that he does. Something wonderful always takes place when there's a Jesus in the house. It makes all the difference when he is present in the service. Let's talk for a moment about these four men who brought their friend to Jesus. These men were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to the Lord. Number one, they dared to do what was difficult. It's not easy to carry a man up onto the roof. It was a difficult task. The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Faith is something that works in the heart and then it works its way to the outside. You can see that in James chapter 2, verse 18, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. A faith that won't put you to work for Jesus probably won't take you to heaven either. Secondly, they dared to do the unusual. They were willing to think outside the box. For them, it was not business as usual. It took ingenuity to think of breaking up the roof to get that man to Jesus and they dared to do the costly, even though they might have had to pay for the cost of the repairs to Peter's roof. These men were willing to do whatever it took to bring that man to the Lord, and that same heart needs to beat within us. As long as it's biblical, we should shy away from nothing to bring people to Jesus. Then the scene continues we see the paralyzed man is lowered into the service here Jesus witnesses the extent and depth of their faith in him and his ability then Jesus does something equally amazing he says son thy sins be forgiven thee now wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute this man was brought to Jesus for healing and Jesus is will is dealing with his sins why It seems clear that this man was paralyzed because of some spiritual problem in his life. You know that doctors have determined that over 50% to 60% of all our illnesses are the result of emotional problems. This man was sick because of sin. And surely this man, the four who brought him, and the crowd thought that his greatest problem was the paralysis. But Jesus knew the truth. Jesus knew the truth. Sin was his greatest problem. And Jesus dealt with that first. And by the way, sin is our greatest problem too. All too often we're focused on the physical and we never give any thought to the spiritual. We spend all our time trying to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And we never stop to think about where we stand in the eyes of the Lord. The greatest need in your life right now isn't a physical need. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Your greatest need has always been and will always be spiritual. And the only place you can find help with the spiritual is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's examine the Lord's words to this man in detail for a moment. Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. That man didn't realize the full impact of what Jesus was saying to him, but those were the greatest words he had ever heard. Let's break this down. Let's break this down. Son. The word translated son is the same word that's often translated child. It is a word that conveys the idea of tenderness. When Jesus spoke to this man, he spoke to him tenderly, and he spoke to him as a son. This is a word that speaks of family. See, that's what happens when a lost sinner meets the master. That lost one, like the prodigal child in Luke 15, is taken in by the father. The one who was lost is dressed in the father's garments. He's given a ring of reconciliation, the shoes of a son, and takes his seat at the table as a member of the family. Hallelujah, if you're saved and you're a child of God, you are his child now. He was also forgiven. This word implies that the man's guilt, shame, and sin have been taken away. The first word brought him into the family. The second word brought him into fellowship. It is sin in all of its ugliness and horror that stands between the sinner and God. Look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But when a lost person comes to Jesus for salvation, all their sins are instantly and eternally forgiven. They are brought into perfect fellowship with the Heavenly Father. You'll hear me say over and over again when I accepted Jesus Christ now when I stand before God he can no longer see my sins because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. What a blessing. Thank God that our Savior has the power to forgive sin erase our past and do away with our guilt and remember our sin no more. Remember our sin no more. That is important. One of the greatest issues that we have as human beings is even after we come to Christ, we carry the baggage of sin with us instead of dropping it in the road where it needs to be. Have you ever experienced his forgiving power? Have you ever heard him call you son or daughter? In verses 6 through 12, we see Jesus and his proof. See, Jesus has just given this poor, paralyzed man the greatest gift the world has ever known, forgiveness and acceptance. Do you think that the man and his friends were disappointed? Do you think they expected more? Well, they weren't the only ones who were surprised with what Jesus had done. We see in verses 6 through 7 that there was criticism. Sitting there in the house that day were some scribes. Now these men had no doubt been sent to check up on this Jesus of Nazareth. See, scribes were writers, as the name implies. These men were given the duty of copying the scriptures. As they copied, they became very familiar with the biblical text. They eventually became scholars and authorities in the text. And by Jesus' time, the scribes and their interpretation of the law had become more important than the law itself. When these religious men heard Jesus had forgiven The crippled man's sins, they could not believe their ears. They knew that only God could forgive sins. They understood the words of Jesus as a claim to be God. And when they heard this, they immediately accused him of blasphemy. Of course, like most legalists and hypocrites, they were cowards. And they didn't have the courage to come right out and accuse Jesus openly. How many times does it happen in our day? How many times do legalists and hypocrites criticize you but they don't have the courage to do it face to face? Instead they do it behind your back. This was the first encounter that Jesus had with the religious elite of his day but it certainly would not be his last. In fact, the religious leaders of Israel would be instrumental and having Jesus crucified. In verses 8 through 9, we see the confrontation take place. You see, Jesus, being God, knew what they were thinking in their hearts. He immediately offered them a challenge. (laughs) I, I love it when Jesus does this. His words are worth considering. Jesus said, whether is it easier to say to the sick man of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Either of those statements is easy to make, but only one can be proved. Anyone can say, thy sins be forgiven thee, but the real test is for the crippled man to rise up and walk. But see, only God possesses the ability to make either one of these happen. Jesus is setting up a test right here to prove that he is the Messiah. In verses 10 through 12, we see the confirmation. In these verses, Jesus uses the physical to prove the spiritual. As I said, the forgiveness of sin cannot be proven, but the physical healing is easy to prove. And when Jesus commanded the man to arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house, he was proving that he was who he claimed to be. That was the acid test. If Jesus gave the command and the paralytic just continued to lie there, then Jesus would be proven to be a fraud. But if the man got up as he did, it would prove that Jesus possessed the power to heal. A power, by the way, that was one of the calling cards of the Messiah. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Isaiah chapter 35 verses four through six. By healing this man, Jesus proved that he was worthy of faith. He was proving that he was the Messiah. He was proving that he was God in the flesh. Notice his words in verse 10, the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. The words power on earth are very interesting. I think we can look at them in two different ways. Jesus is saying that he had the power. And while he was here on earth, he had the power to forgive sins. He proved this several times as he forgave those who came to him. I praise his name today that he possesses that power. And if you need forgiveness today, you can come to the Lord and find the complete forgiveness that you need. Look at John chapter 6 verse 37. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. Jesus is saying that the place to receive forgiveness is here on earth. It will be too late to be forgiven when this life is over. If you expect to meet the Lord in heaven and have him weigh your good against your bad and let you into heaven that way, my brother and sister, you're going to be sadly disappointed. If you need to have if you, you need to be saved and you need salvation, the time to come to Jesus is now. If you need forgiveness, the time to come to Jesus is now, don't let another moment slip by. When you leave this world in death, it will be too late. To make any preparations for eternity. There will be no second chances and there will be no more opportunities. You will have to deal with your sin problem then. In this world or you will die and go to hell. So Jesus heals the man and the paralyzed man gets up, picks up his mat, elbows his way through the crowd and he leaves. He simply gets up and walks away. You see, his heart was healed first, and then his flesh followed. And that's the way things go. When the Lord forgives a person's sins, that, new, that person becomes a new creature. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Their insides are changed, and their walk is rearranged. What the Lord does in the heart always shows up on the outside. Remember, genuine faith is something that can be seen by other people. When the crowd see this miracle, they begin to praise the Lord. They're so amazed by what they've seen with their own eyes. But see, they've completely missed the point. The people are so called up with what their eyes have seen that they have completely forgotten the words that he preached. Again, people chose the miracle over the message. What about you, my brother and sister, my friends? Are you still waiting on the miracle? Are you even listening to this message? Now, I knew knew a man that was saved when he was 84 years old. All the years prior to his salvation, he was waiting on the miracle. He always said that when God was ready to save him, he would come to him like he came to Paul on the road to Damascus. See, he was waiting on a miracle. Well, one day the Lord came to him. It wasn't a Damascus road experience, but he got saved. A month later, he died. He almost missed it all by waiting on the miracle. But when he came to the place where he simply received the message, he was saved. What about you? Has the Lord spoken to your heart today? If he has, I'd like to invite you to do whatever he wants you to do. Is there a Jesus in the house? There's a Jesus in the house today. Let's mind him. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, dear Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have had to study your word. Father, there are those in the sound of my voice today that have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, I ask you to lay that burden on their heart that they will come to you today, that they will ask Jesus Christ into their heart, ask for forgiveness of their sins, and accept Jesus as their Savior. Father, there are also people in the sound of my voice I can feel that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they've, they've, not, they've not done anything about it. They've not continued that experience that you give to us once we're saved, where we can reach out and do things for you, and you strengthen us to do that. Father, the world needs more warriors for you to win people to your Son. Father, I ask you to put a sense of urgency in their heart that they will come to you today and ask for that extra snap to be able to do what's needed for your kingdom. Father, I thank you so much for your son Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. For it's in his name I pray today, O oh God. Amen. If you made a decision today, I would like very much to know about it. Um, You can visit our website at www.christ-lives.org. Visit the contact page and send us a message. I read all these. If If you need prayer, please, you don't have to put your name there. God knows who you are. Put your circumstance and what kind of prayer that you're looking for. And I promise you, I will put your name in my prayer journal the moment I read it. You can also send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org. My brothers and sisters, thank you so much for your time and attention today. And may God bless you and keep you. Amen.